I wanted to ensure that at least 50% of my time was focused on strategy and making sure that that we were able to not only respond and keep our campus safe while continuing education, but to focus on making sure that we were using this moment um, to accelerate the changes that, um, frankly, this institution was already putting in place, but but need to move more quickly now so that we set ourselves up for, for future success. Welcome to Innovating Together, a podcast produced by the University Innovation Alliance. This is the podcast for busy people in higher education who are looking for the best ideas, inspiration, and leaders to help you improve student success. I'm your host, Bridget Burns. You're about to watch another episode of Start the Week with Wisdom, which for those of you who are at home, if you have not seen this before, these are weekly episodes where we conduct an interview with a sitting college president or chancellor, and we want to talk to them about how they're navigating the challenge of this moment. We're in a really unique time, and we want to focus on their leadership and unpack how they are making decisions, how they are navigating, and hopefully it will leave you with a sense of optimism, a bit inspired, and give you a bit of hope. And I'm Madeline St. Amour. I'm a reporter at Inside Higher Ed. This week, we're delighted to bring you a conversation with University of Colorado at Denver Chancellor Michelle Marks. Chancellor Marks transitioned into her new leadership position in the midst of the pandemic, having previously served as the Vice President for Academic Innovation and New Ventures at George Mason University. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. So first, we'll start with just kind of how are you holding up right now? It's been a wild year, and it's you especially, you moved across the country in the middle of all of this. So just how are you doing right now? Uh, yes, I did. Well, when I was offered the job, we were just uh, just entering into the pandemic, and I, I could not have imagined starting out like this, but here we are. And, you know, you deal with the situation, you deal with the, del- the, the hands you're dealt, and um, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm actually incredibly energized. Uh, by this community and this institution and the possibilities of the future. But it, it's definitely not without um, recognizing the hardship that so many people in this in this country and right here in our community are going through. What has it been like transitioning into a new institution, especially as a leader in the midst of this you know unique time that we're in? Well, I think I had to create a new playbook. Um, I mean, one of the challenges, obviously, is that all of the ways that you're used to um, getting to know people and um, and ha- getting having people get to know you are, are different. Not being able to to be in person. So I think just like the rest of the country, I'm zooming um, all day long, every day, and I have to um, get to know people without being able to look people in the eyes and shake people's hands. And um, and I, that's obviously not ideal, but. We are all learning to be much more proficient using technology, and so I'm doing the same. I I, um, I just completed a 100 days of listening tour, and that tour was done entirely virtually. I had the chance to meet with over a thousand people in our community, both faculty, faculty, staff, students, alumni, but also employers, business leaders, civic leaders, um, and um, and it was great. Actually, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, 60 or 70 meetings and. I learned a ton about the the strengths and the the challenges and the opportunities ahead. Are there any things that were particularly useful? I I mean, we've all been a part of Zoom 
terrible Zoom happy hours, terrible <laughs> Zoom uh, parties that really don't live up to their name. And uh, I'm just wondering, like, did you do those one-on-one? -on -one? Were there any tactics that helped you build trust with folks, despite the fact that this is their new boss and they're staring at them and they might have a kid next to them. They might have their cat in the camera. Yeah. Um, just wondering if there's anything that was useful for you. Well, um, you know, one interesting thing about Zoom that we've all realized is that you're seeing um, the whole person that you're talking to come on screen. I mean, there's, you're right, there's the pets, there's the the kids, you see the, like, whatever's in the back. I mean, I'm at work today, but sometimes I'm coming in from home. And so you get to know what's in the background, you're a little bit more about your your employees' lives. So I think in, in that way, it's been a little more personal to, to get to ask about names of um, pets and kids that show up in screen. Um, I think trust, I'm glad that you brought up trust because I think a lot about trust is the most important thing to start with. And that was the thing I was most worried about is how do you establish trust through Zoom? I mean, whether you're a university chancellor or whether you're you know, a team leader, um, a department chair, that those same tr trust is an essential foundation before frankly doing anything else. And um, without trust, nobody's going to take risks. Nobody's going to think about possibilities for the future. Nobody's, you know, people are going to hold back. People are going to not want to share information or take feedback. So um, it, I'm working on that trust building virtually. And you're in your position, you know, as a leader of uh, University of Colorado at Denver, what do you think needs to happen to ensure that we don't lose further ground in supporting low-income students during the pandemic? What What do you think um, yourself and other leaders at similar institutions should be doing to serve those students right now? Well, we are losing ground with those students. Those Those are the students that are dropping out right now or deciding not to attend. Um, those are the students that whose whose parents are working in jobs where they, they, many of them have lost their jobs. I mean, I've talked with many of our students who who's, have lost their jobs or have families lost their jobs. And so they're not able to afford um, staying in college. And um, so that is really the question I'm thinking a lot about is, is what is it going to take to have a more equitable recovery? That is the question. And um, part of it is being more aware of what students are succeeding and what for and, and why and what which students are not succeeding and and what does it take how do we design our institutions to be able to support those students that, that where education is not working for it? a lot of that is affordability as everybody knows and and finding ways to use financial support um and and to to make education less expensive but a lot of it is is a design challenge is designing student support around the needs of um of students of, of low income students, of students of color, for students who are working, for students who are parents. Those are the growing markets and we need to do a better job of serving them. Uh, so what I'm super curious about is um, in the midst of the pandemic, trying to lead, trying to inspire a team when every day it seems like we're getting messages about exhaust and overwhelm. So we just got a comment uh, from Jordan about um, faculty research productivity expectations during this time. And I think that's an important point. But I also just in general, what we're hearing from everyone is uh, Zoom fatigue, overwhelm, exhaustion, just being a human being is hard right now. And then it seems like we're also under financial pressure that we can't kind of, we can't lower our expectations. Um, and so as a leader, 
you see all of this and you don't have a, there's no clear answer for any of it. I'm just wondering if there are, if there's any advice or coaching that you're offering that is speaking to that for folks who exist, who are at, at UC Denver. Well, we are talking about these issues every single day from a number of different facets. First of all, um, people are working more hours somehow, even though we don't have the same kind of nighttime activities that that, that we used to, um, the the amount of hours that people are putting in, and this is this is not just administration, this is faculty and this is staff, especially staff, um, are you know are more than ever. So I am worried about our community and, and the, the, the burnout and the fatigue. And I'm also worried because we know so many of our employees are parents and having to work and to take care of kids, especially at exactly the same time is really impossible. One of the things that we did early on this fall is revised our telework policy to make it possible for our employees to um, take care of their kids or their, or their parents um, during work hours, as long as they're able to get their job done. So added more flexibility to our telework po- uh, policy, which was, was well received. The other day I was talking to somebody who had a baby earlier this fall and um, was really able to take advantage of that telework policy change. The, the mental health is, is an enormous concern for all of us right now. Um, and we have just made some investments in, um, in, in more student mental health um, support and counseling services, as well as for employees, um, because we know that's an issue. And so we brought, we've brought on some more services and capabilities and, um, and e-counseling services, virtual counseling services, um, to, to try to keep up with the increased level of, of demand that we're seeing in our community. I think another thing is, um, recognizing how hard people are working and just being willing and able to say that we hear how people are hurting and how and and the challenges and just making sure that people understand that we are not removed from recognizing um, the the difficulties and the challenges that everybody is going through right now that's helpful i think i just think that there is no clear answer i mean it just seems like acknowledging the humanity of everyone and that uh, nobody's got this thing figured out and as much flexibility as possible. Our old way of thinking about productivity of, you know, you have to be in early and stay late and all of it. It just, it was based on this artificial perspective of what productivity was. And it's not something that we can sustain given everything people are handling. Just like I said, being a person is work right now. So um, I hope that that was helpful uh, for uh, for you, Jordan. But uh, yeah, we also are more looking for answers on that, I think, as well. So um, thanks for that. Um, so as we're dealing with, you know, trying to help burnout um, with the people who, who work for you, um, trying to help students who are more vulnerable during this time, what lessons from your past or your background are you uh, you know, turning to right now to help inform your thinking going through this this time period. Well, I had a great job before this one, which was um, leading innovation at, a, at another big public university. And, and in that job, um, I worked on issues around moving more programs online and, and bringing faculty and, and staff on board with the changes that that entailed. And, and we did some major work with um, facilitating transfer and, and partnering with community colleges and, and designing a new model to support um, to su- support transfer student success. 
and, and, and a number of other changes that involve internationalization. And all of these initiatives were um, ultimately, you know, very positive initiatives, but they all required a level of, of change management and, um, and bringing faculty along and listening to, to concerns that um, the faculty and staff have about these changes and the directions that we were heading in and, and, and even very specific changes to people's jobs. Um, we, we did some work redesigning student experience, but it, it to, to make offices less stovepiped and to work together. But even that involved um, giving up certain practices and, and bringing on new practices. And I, I think what I learned is that it's really important to involve many people early on in the um, in the imagination phase of designing what could be, and in the in in the designing and building a vision together, and the why, and then also um, in in co-creating a path forward. And I think that experience will help me here as we embark upon um, some long-term strategic planning next semester and and really broadly engaging our community, um, both around how to support uh, all of our students um, better and, and, um, and frankly, even in terms of um, the shifts and changes um, to, to bring our institution um, closer to what, um, what is needed for, for, um, for the, uh, uh, the, the changes that I believe are necessary for higher education to stay in touch with with what society needs and what the workforce needs for tomorrow. That's great. I um, so I'm curious about what you as a leader, have, you know, I feel like you hit the ground running right. Was it July that you you arrived? Yeah. So you're moving across the country. All this is happening. You have yeah. uh, recognition of uh, racial injustice. You have COVID. You have folks losing their chancellor. Right. Like so, so even the folks at UC Denver, it's a lot of transition. Um, I'm just curious about, you know, as a leader, how do you make decisions about how to spend your time to enable you to not just be firefighting all the time? How do you how do you tune out the noise of the daily, whatever the crisis is, to make sure that you're focusing on the right priorities? Is there anything that you do that that grounds you that you could give to us? Because I know that's something everyone's struggling with. Yeah, Um I think about making sure that at least 50% of my time is spent on strategic issues. It would be easy to get completely absorbed in the day-to-day. I mean, there's so many things that I took on here. I've had a whole, I'm a career educator and I I obviously have a lot of experience in higher ed, but coming on, there were some new challenges like how to buy tests. I mean, how how to buy COVID tests. And, and, you know, we're all out for our, on our own in that space. Um, Things that I never thought I'd have to tackle that, that we had to tackle and, and just so many issues with the, the pandemic and other challenges, economic, financial challenges that could absorb 150% of your time. And early on, I said, um, I wanted to ensure that at least 50% of my time was focused on strategy and making sure that that we were able to not only respond and keep our campus safe while continuing education, but to focus on making sure that we were using this moment um, to accelerate the changes that, um, frankly, this institution was already putting in place, but but need to move more quickly now, so that we set ourselves up for for future success. And um, that specifically, that meant changing, you know, taking myself out of a number of meetings that um, I could have been in, that that they were used to having the chancellor in, um, but that weren't strategy minded, and 
Also, it meant empowering others. Um, I felt like I didn't need to be in every decision. And I was very, um, I spent a lot of time thinking about what decisions required me and where um, and, and how other people, as long as we had a sense of where we were heading together, what decisions others could be empowered to make. So those are two things I think that have worked quite well. Um, structuring meetings so that we're first talking about strategy and then hitting the operational issues on the back end. Those are three things. Um, one quick follow-up. Do you find that you're frequently in 30-minute meetings, 15-minute, 45? Is there is there a sweet spot? I'm just, I, like, I, I just love to get into the tactics of it because uh, I think I'm always just overwhelmed by back-to-back meetings. So is there anything that you find is in terms of actual meeting um, structure that helps you? Okay, I've done, so this is shifted and iterated as I've gone through the fall, but here's where I am right now. Um, I started out with hour and then they went to 45 minutes and then, and, and, and some of them are still 45. The key for me is, um, is not having, is having at least five minutes. And I try, I'm not always successful, but between so that you can stretch or grab a drink or hit the restroom. I mean, honestly, that was hard to do early on. Um, so that's, that's one change I made. And another, um, president of a, of a university in Colorado gave me another tip, which was when meetings are one-on-one to do them by phone instead of um, Zoom. And that way, you, at least you can pace around your office or sit in a different chair for that meeting. So I've started to totally. do meetings I have with just one other person and do them by phone. Could you talk about what are some of the things that you hope, um, some of the things that have come from this era of COVID and the pandemic that you think are things we should keep around um and you know on the other hand what what things do you hope we we get rid of first when we emerge from this time oh i'd like to hear your answers to that too but um so for me the um well the telework so i'm very intrigued by um the the use of telework right now and obviously whatever the future looks like it probably won't look like everyone teleworking or as many people as are today Um, But I do think there's more we can do um, to, and and I know that we've had a lot of our employees saying into the future, are there ways that we can incorporate more teleworking? So that's one area. I also think we need to do more, and this is not just a university comment, but this is a a broad general comment on um, helping managers understand how to manage in a virtual environment. Um, A second thing that I've been, um, that I would keep around, I hope we keep around, is the way that we're supporting students. We have um, pivoted to to have all of our student support services in a virtual context right now and even redesigned a website so that it's a one-stop shop. If students need help, they can, you know, talk to one person and and get lots of different kinds of help that they need. So I I think um, taking student support and student services out of the nine to five Monday through Friday office context and putting them into a as students need it context is, is terrific. Um, even things like virtual orientations, we're doing them. Most universities are doing them now. I don't know that we all have used them as extensively, but boy, it's, it's wonderful to have students from all over be able to join and it saves money. Um, and of course, a lot of the digital pedagogy and, and online um, and the faculty development work in that space is I think expanding our capabilities for harnessing the best that we have to support students. The, the fun part of the question is what would you give up? And boy, I think tons of things. But the the one that jumps to my mind, well, virtual conferences, I think I totally give those up. 
I, I've been to a number of, of virtual, I, I even ran my own virtual conference, my public private partnership conference. We did virtually last month and it was, it was great for what it was, but boy, there's just no substitute to the camaraderie and the interpersonal connection. Um, another thing I would give up, I think virtual graduations would be something to give up. There's something so special um, about seeing families, looking students in the eye, handing them a, diplo a diploma. Um, and, and maybe, oh, I, I don't know, um, maybe Zoom happy hours I would give up. I'm ready to like sit down with people together. How about you all? What would you give up? Uh, I agree with you about Zoom. Oh, I uh, the virtual happy hours. I'm like, man, um, no more Zoom happy hours. Yes, please. Um, I, yeah, I, 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 I completely agree with you about the virtual graduation. Like it was nice to be able to experience them from afar while we, you know, in, in, instead of nothing, but the emotional piece was just so missing and uh, virtual conferences, like everyone keeps iterating and I'm, 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 you know, I, I, everyone's trying their best, but it is really that chatting in the back of the room that I miss so much. And at the, at the end of the day, otherwise just pre-record it and send me the video or write me the, send me the transcript. Like, why do I need to be doing this uh, right now? I find that most people are RSVPing for conferences not attending and then just getting the video sent to their email and then not watching it. So that's just kind of <laughs> what I'm seeing happening. So, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what I love. I love the fact that we're getting expertise from all over the country to be like, like this conversation here today, like this happened quickly. And, you know, you can, you can bring people together and share wisdom and experience. I love that. I hope that stays, but I really do miss um, the camaraderie and um, and the support, frankly, that we're able to offer each other when we're with each other in person. That's great. Uh, so one last question, I guess, is uh, I, I'm just curious if there is any, um, as you're trying to lead in this challenging moment and you're figuring things out, new campus, new life, loving Denver, loving the sunshine, I'm sure. Um, hopefully, hopefully you'll have to ski sometime. Uh, but I'm just curious about if there are any books or if there's any um, source of inspiration in the, in, that you've used in your past that you're really drawing upon right now. We're always trying to give our audience some uh, breadcrumbs to follow. So if there's, has there been any kind of, um, any, is it books or movies or something that has been useful to you as a leader as you navigate uncertainty? Um, well, let's see, source of inspiration for me, I, I feel like I get inspired truly every day. I, um, I just have to look around at our students and our faculty and staff, and I'm really serious about this. The, the, um, we have a faculty member who's, he's a mechanical engineer and he, uh, who taught in-person classes only. And now he bought himself, a, I'm not going to get the words right here, but a green screen that goes behind you and wigs. And um, he acts out like, like he did a lecture, which I watched. I've been watching his lectures on, you know, muscle movement. Um, and he, he fi he's finding like creative kind of crazy ways to engage his students in a virtual classroom. Um, to keep their interest and to make his lectures incredibly interesting. And they are incredibly interesting. And that is inspirational that a faculty member, and he's just one example of so many who've taken this concept of how am I going to keep my students engaged and interested and learning so seriously. Um, I've seen so many examples of staff. I mean, we literally, in the, I mean, whoever said higher ed can't move fast, 
literally in the spring, every institution completely had to reconfigure. You know, we had to go all online. And then the work that that faculty and staff did this summer to get us ready to return to campus, we're partially virtual, partially on campus here. And to make it safe involved um, rethinking how many students could sit in every single classroom on campus and rethinking literally like how students could walk through campus and be safe and socially distanced and how we message with our signage. Everybody's job got turned on their heads and everyone stepped up to the plate and made it happen because they wanted to support our students and they wanted to keep our community safe. If that is an inspiration, I find I'm finding different examples of amazing stories like that every single day. Um, so that gives me incredible hope that we can um, do anything that we're challenged to do and that we can develop our visions for the future. And then we have a faculty and staff and student group that are going to figure out how to get us there. That is a perfect end. I completely agree. I feel like higher ed, you know, for all the naysayers and the skepticism, boy, they figured it out and disproved any of those prior comments about lack of, uh, of, of ability to adapt and evolve. And I just want folks in higher ed to have the confidence that I think they've earned over the past year and to really kind of take, you know, that's one of the downsides. We don't really take a moment to reflect on how many things that people have figured out, how much has been changed, how much has been adapted and how much they should be proud of. Um, because it, you know, that's how you get confidence is by reflecting on just how much you figured out, how much you, you know, you know now. So um, I, I think that's really a hopeful and inspiring tone for us to end on. So thank you, Chancellor Michelle Marks. For those who are interested, we have linked um, Chancellor Marks and CU Denver's information in the Periscope and also the, the Facebook and the YouTube uh, links. So if you wanna follow up and get more information or connect, um, Maddie, thanks again. Excellent co-host as always. And so thanks again for our audience on Inside Higher Ed and the various streaming channels. We hope you have a wonderful week and we hope that this gives you a little bit of uh, hope, a sense of possibility and perspective that will help, hopefully help you be able to lead your team. So thanks so much and have a great weekend. Thank you.